Hey guys, it's Josh, and welcome back to the Not-So-Bad Bachelor Pad, your favorite podcast for learning how to balance between being a raging dumpster fire and a functioning adult. I know it's been a little bit, but we finally made it down to the 615 Nashville, aka Smashville. Besides coming back with new episodes, we're going to be hitting the street for TikTok content, we're going to do more stuff on Instagram, and I believe the first episode of Nightlife the video podcast with, I'm not even gonna tell you who the guest is, you're just gonna have to go check that out, is premiering next week as well. So a lot of great stuff in a whole new city. Let's get into today's episode with Krista Francoeur. Today joining me, we have Krista Francoeur. Krista, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Again, my name is Krista Francoeur. And I am a creator of all things beautiful. Um, I've had a 14-year career uh, designing brands. And um, the past few years, I have started transitioning into being a CEO of a health food company called Wild Remedies. And at Wild Remedies, we make products that essentially harness the beauty and magic of nature um, to help people become healthier and more mindful and while also striving to conserve wild places and honoring mother nature. We love to help our environment and we love a holistic company. So I'm already on board with Wild Remedies. It's also a fun name. So I have to ask you because we are a relationship podcast and I ask everybody, what is your relationship status right now? Are you single? Are you taken? Are you just enjoying the moment as it passes? Hmm. Well, I mean, at this point, I would say that I'm, you know, married to myself. Mm, Okay. (laughs) After, you know, failed relationships and having, you know, to do all the dark night of the soul stuff and learning about conscious partnership and shadow work, all of those things. And then really coming into a relationship with myself. And I feel like I'm at a point now where I do feel ready to call in a partner um, for a healthy relationship. Um, And that will just happen when the universe says it's going to happen. Beautiful. I always hate the term failed relationships. Mm. I don't think there are any failed relationships. I believe each relationship is like a puzzle piece. Some be the right fit for you, but they're not broken. You know, they just weren't the right fit. And you learn so much. So how can it be a failure if you're learning and growing from it? That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have learned the things that I learned without going through those experiences. And so I do, you know, honor those experiences as challenging as they were at the time. (laughs) Listen, you can't you can't level up without a little hard work. Mm-hmm. What did they say? No pain, no gain. I'm happy that you are in a place of bliss right now, and I hope that your next partnered situation is just as educational and more enjoyable than the last. Mm-hmm. You you're a traveler, just like I am. Um, you've been a couple. You've been a couple places I haven't managed to get to yet. So how how do you think travels kind of affected your life and your view on walk in this world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, travel. Gosh, I've been to 
I don't know, 28 countries, something like that, and have lived in a handful of them. And um, yeah, I feel like travel just, it changes your perspective and it makes you appreciate what you have more. In 2014, I sold everything that I owned and I moved to Malaysia (laughs) and I lived and worked there for two and a half years. And there was a lot of culture shock, as you can imagine. I believe so. Yeah, it was a big, huge, I mean, I went from like a small town in Canada to this massive city, Kuala Lumpur in in Malaysia. I didn't even know where it was at the time. I was just like, I just know that I don't want to be doing my life anymore. So I'm going to go. And I think this place is somewhere near Thailand, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Job looks cool. I'm out of (laughs) here. My big question is, how hard was it to pronounce that city's name when you first saw it? Like, I, I guarantee it just didn't roll off the tongue. Kuala Lumpur, I don't, it, it's kind of pronounced the way that it's spelled, so it's not that bad. Mm. Yeah, and then when you get there, um, so Malaysians are all about acronyms. So right. everybody calls Kuala Lumpur KL, right? Oh. And then you have, like, you know, some of the suburbs are, you know, PJ instead of Patel and Jaya. I think that's what it is. It's been a few years since yeah. I've lived there, so I forget. But, yeah, it's all about the acronyms there. But that helps my dyslexic brain so much, like... <laughs> I can do acronyms all day, but I was like, just because it looks easy to say, it's not. It is uh, not. Uh, that's all you have to say, and everybody it. will know what it means. All right. That, that'll probably bribe me some cred if I ever make it over to Malaysia. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to, <laughs> just trying to make it to KL. Um, yeah. But I know, the, I think the first travel experience I had that really woke me up, the first time I ever went to Paris, France. Mm, nice. And it was also the first time I'd ever taken the subway. Okay. So I don't think I've ever shared, shared this story on the show before, but um, I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. I was uh, in Paris with a group of my friends and we had gotten separated from like our chaperone and tour guide. And we were like, well, we all know how to like take the subway and like get to where we needed to be. We were walking. All of a sudden somebody came up and bit my friend like in the shoulder like, I don't know, like, yeah, like we were, we weren't even talking to anybody, just ourselves. And like, this guy just comes up, bites her on the shoulder and we're freaking out because we, oh we, one of us has taken one year of French um, and we're in a foreign country without any adult supervision. We had to like get on the subway and like find the nearest hospital and then like call like everybody and tell us like, Hey, explain the situation. But I was just like, this, I was like, France is such a wild place. Like people just go around biting each other. You know, I was like, they're probably fighting with baguettes, like all this other stuff. Um, But (laughs) after that little incident and then spending another like week or so in the country, um, getting to know the people, just walking around, observing, I was like, okay, France isn't as wild as I thought, but it did teach us that we should be more mindful of our surroundings. Mm. And also you should, you have to do a little language prep before you go anywhere. Like hospital is a really major word that we should know. There are just certain things that you just don't ever think about because you just think every everything is going to be mundane, so to so to speak. You know, like you'll never have to worry about certain things, but that that's not the case. Um, so, like that just goes to the culture shock that, amongst other things, I'm pretty sure you experienced while you were over there. Oh yes, there was a lot, a lot of mishaps. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think my biggest culture shock was uh, going to India. Um, I had been living in KL for 
I don't know, about three months, I think. And I thought, oh, wow, this is a lot. And then I went to Bangalore for a wedding. And that was that was definitely culture shock. I realized that I am the type of person that really, really values peace and quiet. Like oftentimes when I'm working at home, there's no music on or mm-hmm. anything like that. And uh, India is a place of stimulation. Yes. A lot of sounds and a lot of smells and a lot of things going on all the time. And it was really cool for the first few days. And then I was like, this is, this is entirely <laughs> too much for me. Like, yeah, I might, I might go back one day to up into the Himalayas or something. But yeah. The cities were a bit too hectic for for my temperament. Big thing to learn. Um, I was the same way. Born a city person, but my city wasn't really busy. And then I lived in a farm town for three years. So then it really slowed down. And I get used to just tranquil kind of farm life. And then I moved to a college town where there are just bars everywhere. Um, <laughs> there's somebody always trying to get into some door because they've lost their keys. And then sirens. I was like, just treat it like a hotel at first. Because when you first move, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but no place really doesn't, it doesn't feel like home. It takes a while to like settle in. And then one day you're like, oh, I don't have to go back to my house because this is my house, my home, you know? Mm -hmm. So I could understand like after the three-day mark, like being in India with all that stimulation, you're like, this is this is too much. I need to go back to to my haven. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, it, it made me appreciate uh, Kale Kale a lot more because it was, uh, you know, it, it felt like a lot for me. And then coming back from India, I was like, oh, this is chill. Yeah. Like, this is this is fine. And that definitely <laughs> probably helped help with your acclimation. You know, you're like, you know what? No, this is this is my speed. I can handle this. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there are any major life lessons you took away from your time of abroad away from Canada? Tons, (laughs) tons. Um, You know, I think, especially when you live in another country, it, it just, it changes you and it makes you a wiser person. You have to navigate a lot of really new things. Um, It makes you really brave because you have to do things and put yourself in situations that, you know, you probably wouldn't have been in if you had just stayed home and stayed safe and comfortable. And yeah, I mean, you meet so many amazing people. Um, When I moved to Malaysia, it was to work for a uh, company called Mindvalley. And it is a fairly well-known personal development company. And it was wonderful, the connections that I had there. I mean, I showed up and I instantly had 200 new friends. Everybody was into, you know, personal transformation and we were all there for the same cause. Everybody was around the same age. It was kind of like, it was kind of like high school or or like, I don't know, like early university or something all over again, except for, you know, in a foreign country and everybody was from all over. I think we had 45 different nationalities at the office. Mm-hmm. So it was wonderful. And, you know, I made from my one of my best friends was, you know, one was from Brazil. And then another one was from, you know, Venezuela. And my roommates were well, actually one of my roommates ended up just being a 
from like four hours away from where I was from, which was okay, that's crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we found out that I actually knew his cousin like prior, and yeah, so it was just a very small world thing. But yeah, it was just it was so fabulous to you know have friends from countries that I had never even you know really known about, like Lithuania and Estonia and all of these cool places. So yeah, it was wonderful. Um, a lot of culture I got to experience during that time. That's amazing. And I, I, I know you brought so much of that back with you. I should, I should ask this earlier. Where are you now? Where do you reside? Are you back in Canada or you still out jet setting? Yeah, so I'm back in Canada now. After I left Malaysia, I just kind of continued to digital nomad for a few years. So I bounced around from Europe and Mexico and the U.S. And then I decided that it was time to come home. I felt ready. And so I moved to Vancouver for about six months. And the universe gave me a very big shove in the direction to move actually closer to my hometown, which at that point I was like, nah, like I'm not going there. Right. <laughs> but then I, you know, I, I showed up and saw what it had to offer. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this city has like really grown up. There's, it's quite lovely here. So I um, decided to plant some roots here and I have been thoroughly in, enjoying it. So I'm glad, I'm glad I'm here and it's where I need to be right now. The whimsy of life. Um, we have all these plans, but we really never know what's in the grand design for us. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. Cause I, I always say this, I was like, cause everyone's like, why don't you come home, come home. We miss you. And I was like, I miss you guys too, but not right now. I fully yeah. believe that maybe one day, I probably will like end up back in the city I grow up or somewhere around there. Uh, but while I have the time and the opportunity, I was like, no, let me, let, let me just be like a paper airplane and like in the wind, just float, just travel, gain all this experience. I, I love interacting with new cultures. I love eating new foods. I'm a big food guy uh, and learning new languages, just the whole there's so much to life, uh, to exploring life that I feel like some people don't really realize. Just seeing how other people live, even for a week, um, just really changes your perspective. It does. So along the way, you realize that your purpose had kind of shifted, that you weren't really living, you weren't getting the same fulfillment out of life. What was kind of like the factor of like, you know what, I've been moving a lot maybe it's time that I go back. Like what? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, well, it actually has to do with uh, the last relationship that I was in. Mm. Uh, yeah. So after I moved um, home from, well, not home, but after I came back from Malaysia, I was in Canada briefly and I met a guy on Tinder <laughs> oh. and we became friends and which blossomed into a very hasty uh, style relationship. Um, I was still traveling a lot at the time, and I think he thought my life was, you know, kind of glamorous, and he wanted to try it out for himself. So we spent some time together bouncing around from, you know, a few different countries and had some spots in Vancouver where we spent some time together. And this was actually the most significant relationship I've had in my life. 
it was just over a year, I believe. Um, but I had never lived with a guy. I've, I've had very limited experiences with um, long-term intimate relationships. And that's just, you know, part of, part of the plan for the first part of my life. And uh, yeah, so when things um, devolved, it was, it was tough for me, um, mostly because the relationship ended in a pretty, pretty bad way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a very tumultuous relationship. Um, there was a lot of, um, I guess, conflict, uh, when it comes to spiritual ideologies, which seems kind of odd. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was very, it was a very unique relationship that had very unique challenges and it ended in um, not a great way that caused me a lot of trauma. And <laughs> the funny thing about breakups and, you know, being traumatized in a relational aspect is that it can, it can dredge up all kinds of shit from your childhood. <laughs> yes. You're right about that one. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, you're having one existential crisis and then your body or your soul or all of it is just like, nah, you know what, we're just going to bring all of that shit up and you're going to have to look at that real close for a while. So in my case, it actually took, gosh, about a year and a half um, for me to kind of settle from that experience. And I really had to do a lot of deep work. Um, because the trauma created such a physical response in my body, it threw me into a state of like constant fight or flight, um, mess with my hormones, my gut health, all kinds of stuff. I was a complete wreck and it took a really long time for me to heal, um, not only emotionally, but physically as well. And so it was really, it was really tough and I had to, you know, ask myself a lot of questions. I had to learn how to trust myself again, how to trust men again. And it was during a period of soul. Um, I had ended up uh, spending some time in Salt Lake City, um, drove down from Canada. I had a business partner there and I spent about half a year in Salt Lake City and I was quite isolated at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I just got an apartment downtown and I thought I'd be spending a lot of time with my business partner at the time and he, I didn't <laughs> see him that often. And I'm usually a very outgoing person and, you know, like I find friends and I do things and I just, I didn't. Like I was definitely suffering from some depression at that point and just healing. And it was, it, it was hard, especially, you know, not knowing a lot of people. And I remember having periods of time where I've, I felt almost suffocated by, by the loneliness. And that's what really made me understand that as human beings, community is wildly important. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think a lot of us have recognized that during, you know, the, the pandemic, a lot of the isolation that people have faced. We see a huge rate or rise in suicide rates and, you know, all kinds of horrible things. So I discovered that during that process. And that's when I knew, okay, it's time to go home and build community. And didn't really find it. I wasn't in Vancouver for, for very long. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, actually, I, I wanted to stay in Vancouver. I was about to purchase um, my first property, actually. And the universe was like, Mm-mm, nope, you're not doing that. I had just a crazy series of events with some sort of emotional situation and um, some bill that I had no idea about popped up and destroyed my credit rating overnight while I was in the middle of getting a mortgage. Oh, jeez. And I got a flat tire. Like, like, there was just a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and it felt really terrible at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's usually how those universal nudges go. Sometimes they're, you know, quite gentle and you're paying attention. You're like, okay, I'm just going to follow this clue. And then other times it's like, yo, bitch, you're doing this. It's, you're doing this. It's like walking <laughs> off a cliff. It's like the, it's like <laughs> the culmination of the domino effect, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you're getting like a big slap in the face. So that's how I ended up um, <laughs> in Kelowna, where where I am now. Uh, it was just a very big universal shove, and it was wonderful because I got here and um, started building my new product line. And my first manufacturers were the people that I worked with to um, uh, the food scientists that I worked with to formulate the products was were right here in Kelowna. So I got to work with them closely, which was really great. So yeah. everything that I needed to, you know, take the next step um, was was right here all, all along. <laughs> it was right under your nose. Let's talk about wild remedies. It take a hey, starting a business is a passion project that so many people have in their heads, but you were able to actually embody that and take steps to actually make it a reality. Cause there's a moment I realized it too, when I was like, I can't work for others anymore, or this isn't my full calling. I need to actually do it. And then I, I did it. What was that like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have a pretty strong entrepreneurial spirit. I started my first business, I was maybe like 23 or 24, um, and that was an ad ad agency that I had for four and a half years. And it was at that point that I had decided to um, kind of leave everything and move overseas to work for this company, Mind Valley, where I very quickly realized... (laughs) that I really don't like working for other people, even a company as like enticing as them. And it's very Google-esque and you can come in whenever. I was like, I just, this is not for me. I stuck it out for a couple of years, but I also co-founded another startup while, while I was there. And that was really um, kind of my motivation for, for staying um, for so long. Mm. And it was during that period. So I'd been working on this other startup and I had been doing it with some co-founders and, you know, startups are tough and it's tough working with other people. And I love the guys. Everybody was absolutely amazing. But I felt at that point that I was doing a lot of the work and I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do my own thing. And at that point, I just kind of had the inspiration that I wanted to do a physical product of some sort. So as a designer, I've, you know, created everything from physical products to websites to like all all of pretty much anything you can imagine with building a business. I already have the skills for, thankfully, which makes things a lot easier, obviously. Um, So I thought, well, I'm going to make something, but I don't know what it is. I ended up coming back to Canada briefly um, one summer and I met the business partner that I used to have when I had the ad agency got a hold of me and she said, 
Hey, listen, um, there is this guy that I've been working with doing marketing stuff and he has this product and he's looking for design help. You should, you should meet with them. And I was like, okay, sure. So I met with this guy and he started telling me about his product, which was a chaga mushroom tea that he kind of, he just brewed, put it in glass bottles and sold it at uh, markets. Markets, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what chaga is, it's a medicinal uh, mushroom. It's a conch that grows on birch trees. It has the highest source of antioxidants on the planet. It's an adaptogen. It's like absolutely insane for your health. Stuff is crazy. So he's telling me about all of these health benefits. And I was really into, you know, natural health at that time. Well, still am obviously, but uh, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like, how have I never heard of this before? Right. Wow. Okay, cool. So I was like, hmm, okay, kind of put a pin in that. A couple of days later, I went to a friend's house and we were doing a different type of mushroom as, you know, a party that night. And you know, we were having a lot of fun. I hadn't seen them in a while. And uh, she had brought up chaga mushroom again. And she was like, yeah, this stuff is really cool. Um, you know, First Nations have been using it for centuries for healing purposes. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, somebody just told me about this the other day. How bizarre. And I went, hmm, okay. And then a few days later, I ended up going to this place. It's called the Center of the Universe. So there is this area about 45 minutes from my hometown mm -hmm. up in the hills, up, up Dead Man's Creek. <laughs> and the story is that back in the 70s, an apprentice monk from San Francisco showed up in this remote location in British Columbia, Canada, did a bunch of energetic tests and declared it the center of the universe. And uh, since then, it's become a spiritual hub for people. They come from all over the world to do meditation retreats and things of that nature. And since I had really started getting into spirituality before I moved overseas, I wanted to go to this place, but I hadn't had time. So I went with my parents <laughs> and we went to go check this place out and got a tour by the gentleman that owns the property up there. And you know, he was like, you know, we were grounding with our shoes off and doing some meditations and things. And we were, you know, just chatting. And he looks at me and he's like, have you ever heard of chaga mushroom? And I was like, yo, okay. The universe <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't want to be gentle with you. It's like, hey, wake up, wake up. It's like shaking you awake all the time. Well, these were these were very gentle nudges, but I mean, obviously, very significant right. for it to happen three times in a week and in the center of the freaking universe, right? <laughs> of yeah. all places, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where I was like, okay, I need I need to do something here. Um, went back to Malaysia and just started researching, and I researched all about this mushroom and where I could source it from, and I ordered uh, these extracts from all over the world, from Ukraine and. Uh, Siberia and even from the US and found the very best quality stuff and I made my first tea in my kitchen and I was just convinced that this was going to be like the most amazing thing and you know it was really great at the time um, I ended up launching the product at the Bali Spirit Festival oh. 
So I put like 200 tins of brown mushroom powder in my suitcase and didn't consider that that would be a problem in any way. Got on a plane to Indonesia and on the flight in midair, considered that perhaps this was not the best idea. Like maybe I should have FedEx this shit over. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. So I land obviously the bag gets flagged because it's full of metal yeah and a guard is like going through my stuff and he takes one of the tins and he opens it and all this brown powder comes flying out and i was like it's not drugs it's not drugs it's just it's just tea it's just tea and then he gets he he looks quite concerned and he's like are you selling this tea and i said no no absolutely nope nope i've just brought it as donations it's just yeah right just gifts yeah 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 and he he looked at me for a really long time and i was like oh my god this is it i'm going to jail this is it they're gonna cut my head off something and uh he just kind of like nodded for me to like move on and i was like oh my god oh my god okay thank you thank you universe so survived that experience but you know it was ridiculous i was sitting in like plus 50 degrees celsius heat selling hot tea for like five days obviously nobody wanted hot tea the person next to me was selling ice cream and i was just like oh my god it was it was yeah it it was ridiculous um but yeah that is that's the story of how i got started and then it just evolved into what is now called our magic latte line which i just launched in september that's the that's the first and only step you really need is a vision um once you know what your vision is, it's so easy. It's I'm not going to say it's so easy, but it's amazing how the universe or something just pulls it towards you, the, the components, like with the mushroom. And then you'll find like a guy who like does this or like you'll find somebody who's like in manufacturing and like things just roll together um, mm-hmm. when you're doing what you're meant to do. Yeah. So this exactly. was obviously I, that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. I think it's in her book, Big Magic. Um, And I'm going to butcher this because I'm I'm not going to say it correctly, but it has something to do with, um, you know, there being these universal ideas that are floating around, right? And anybody can kind of like catch one, Mm -hmm. but there's ones that are like meant for you and that are, you know, you kind of like gravitate to. And so if, if you manage to see it, right? And to see those nudges and to pick that thing up, that's meant for you. And it will be kind of like divinely guided and you'll, you'll get helpers along the way, essentially. And that's certainly what, what I've found in, in my experience. Oh, I mean, listen, I am still looking for a couple helpers here and there. So hopefully I, I can, I can pick up on these frequencies as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of frequencies, Tell me, how did you discover? I, I want, I want, I'm gonna go into, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a complete tangent later, but right now, just like, how did you get into mysticism? Well, you know, I feel, especially for women, um, we, we, we feel very called to or connected to nature or to, you know, something like the craft in a sense. Um, I know when I was a little girl, you know, I just, I love to believe in magic and we love to make believe and all of those things sound so magical and, and so fun, but society along the way just kind of tells us that 
those things aren't true. That's not how the world works. And so I think there's just kind of like this innate calling in, in all of us that, you know, um, kind of gravitates towards the, the, the unseen, not, not everybody, but, but a lot of people. And I've suffered with really significant health issues my whole life. And in my twenties, it got really bad. It was my, my rock bottom. And <laughs> as, as, as some people do, I was watching Netflix one day and came upon uh, the documentary, well, the movie, The Secret. And I was like, oh, well, this is really interesting. I had a b- bunch of epiphanies during this time. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, around that and around food. And um, the food road took me on the journey that I'm on now, where I never thought I would be a health food entrepreneur, but here I am. Um, but the law of attraction, so it started off as like a very kind of scientific um, inquiry for me. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe I should look into it a little bit more. Yeah. And so I really started studying the the, the science aspect of it. I was reading a lot of like Amikazwami at the time. And I was like, well, this is this is proof that this works. Like there's, there's, you know, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, like there's those places that actually study this stuff. And, you know, when you hear about, you know, real accounts of like these near death experiences or um, reincarnation and stuff, like people remembering their past lives. I was like, I really got into that stuff. And I'm like, well, this to me is irrefutable. Like this is, this is legit. Um, so during that kind of discovery process, um, I started playing around with, you know, um, getting my Reiki certification and, you know, a few other things like that and had some really fun mentors that helped kind of open my eyes to a few things. And yeah, then, I mean, that's essentially the reason that I ended up at Mind Valley as well, because, um, you know, it is a, a lot of strong personal development, but there was also a lot of spiritual stuff at the time. And a lot of it had to do with the law of attraction. Um, so there was lots of education there as well. So that's kind of how it started off. And then it just became a personal practice for me. Um, and it's now actually kind of coming to a point where it's, um, I guess it's, it's flourishing a little bit more. I went through a period that dark night of the soul for me was, was quite difficult. And I felt a little bit disconnected from spirit for a while, but it's really starting to open back up in ways that are even more than I had ever expected. And so I think sometimes the universe just kind of gives you what you need at the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And now we're, I'm just at a place where it's, it's time to, to seek, to seek even further, which is really exciting. So, I mean, it, it seems like this mysticism just appears almost in your everyday life so often giving you these, gentle nudges like you said it just gives you what you need at the time um and some sometimes that's solitude to find your way i i find that when we're when we're always given the answers sometimes we miss the biggest epiphanies or we don't do the growth that we need to to fully utilize the the blessings that the blessings that may be upon us so to speak mm-hmm. for sure and i mean mysticism is really just paying attention right it's just it's paying attention it's listening to our intuition that little voice that we have inside all of us um you know that's that that, that's our soul that's what i believe that that's speaking to us 
And, you know, when we talk about the law of attraction, um, it's very comparable to doing a spell, right? A spell is just the law of attraction, but putting even more intention into it when you're gathering all of the things that right. you're going to use to, you know, create what you want. And a lot of it is, you know, using your mind. And we know science tells us that, you know, you can change things with your thoughts. That's how it works. And so as we we're kind of at this age right now where we're exploring these things more and we're realizing it on more of a, um, I guess, masculine kind of, uh, you know, like cognitive realization. But what it really is, is like this feminine, mystical thing that has always been there that has been suppressed and that we've forgotten. But it's been there all along. And it's just the natural way that the the, the world, the universe works. And I, I'm such a big supporter of feminine energy. It's one thing if I like said I had like a platform or even a motivator for continuing what I do here at the show or coaching, it's to remind people that it's okay to possess and embody their feminine Um, because it's like feminine doesn't just mean woman, you know, I mean, it isn't just solely for women, so to speak, that double X chromosome. Um, We embody both. So if it's a part of us, we can't expect to be our best self if we're only if we're limiting our potential by ignoring or suppressing it. Because mm-hmm. um, that feminine en- energy is like where you get your creativity from. It's literally creation. Mm-hmm. The amount of energy and potential and creativity in creating something is boundless, and it has so um, ripples that it could spread throughout your life. So I like to I I own it and I like to embrace it. And I was like, embracing that doesn't make me any less of a man or less of a person. It just, if anything, it makes you more uh, taking ownership of who you are, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Here's where I get in trouble with doing the show. You never know how much you're going to like somebody until you're actually in the moment. And I feel like, hey, I think you're an amazing person, but I feel like there's so much more depth to you that I'm afraid to poke. Because if I poke it, if like they say, if you stare long enough into the abyss, like you'll you'll become it or something like that. I that's always my biggest concern is like I hate when I have guests who I actually like because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and make something that should have been forty five minutes turn into like a three day event. You know, just like wake up somewhere and you're like, how did we get here? I don't know. Conversation was just great. Um. I'm going to allow this to be a, a nice stopping point or just kind of like introduction into Krista because I think there's a, I already know, I definitely want to have you back on for several other things just because there's so much to share and there's so much wisdom um, within every life. So I know there's so many things that you can still share with us. So I'm going to, we're going to do my favorite segment of the show. It's the quickie question section which kind of help us get to know you on a little more fun and personal scale. Mm-hmm. And then next time I have you on, we might, we're probably going to talk about Reiki. And then we're probably going to be talking, talking about like how to become a, like a, just a boss in the business world. Um, like owning, owning that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, because you you've done that. You've done it multiple times, leaving a company that 
wasn't the right fit for you, that in itself is a boss level move, in my opinion. So many people stay places for umpteenth years when they're not happy or when they're not being appreciated because they can't take that step. Um, following your passion. There's like said, there's so much to you like that I could, if I'm not careful, I could sit here and talk to you for ages. Uh, but like I said, we're going to get into these questions. I only have about five of them for you. They do get a little more mentally stimulating as we go on. I'll see you hopefully soon for our next session. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Um, first question, when you are trying to attract a partner, what's something that you look for? Well, I have a pretty big list, my friend. <laughs> okay, n- give me your top three. I'll be fair. Oh. I'll be fair today. Give me your top three. Oh, gosh, I don't even... I can't even think of the top ones, but really, um, I think it's important to see how you feel with this person, right? A lot of times we put um, a lot of emphasis on they need to make a certain amount of money, they need to look a certain way, all of this kind of like external stuff. Um, And that is really not the stuff that matters. What matters is your alignment with your values. So essentially, whatever your top values are, those need to align with the other individual before you go any further. Okay. I have to flip the coin. Are there any red flags that, what's a really big thing that like is a red flag that like is an immediate, immediate stop, cease and desist for you? If I'm on a date and or i mean even if it's on a dating app and the other person doesn't ask questions about me (laughs) and just likes to talk about themselves that is a very big red flag for me let's be honest though how often does that happen because you're an interesting person so i know people are inquisitive that can't happen all the time too often It's, it's happened i mean i really don't date much um, these days, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's happened several times on, on the apps and I'm just like hard now pass. I don't, <laughs> you failed. I, that's the thing I just, I've never gotten, but maybe it's because bathed in all this feminine energy, but I like, I love conversation. Like the, mm-hmm. my two biggest turnovers are banter and boredom. I say and that's because not every day is going to be an adventure for us. So I need to know how we are just like being bored together. But in that boredom, that doesn't mean that we're not like, it's not two people sitting in silence. That would probably make me slightly like uncomfortable and like nervous. Even though we're bored, like how are we communicating? Like, what are we doing? What is it like to just be in each other's presence? Can we endure that? So I can understand like the not asking questions thing because if I don't really know you on a deeper level or what you're about, I can't, I feel like I can't connect with you. And if I can't connect with you, I definitely can't sit in silence with you or, you know, just be bored with you. Mm. So I I understand that one. That's that's a good one. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about relationships or dating, what would that be? You are enough. You're enough. Honestly, it's the simplest ideas that are that really create the most comfort or fulfillment and it's so true Uh, if people can't really appreciate you for you or if they try to turn you into something that you're not or didn't really want to be 
then that person's not your person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's one thing that you think that you still could probably improve on as a partner? Oh, goodness. I told you. A I, lot of, I ramped a it up a little things. bit. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, my, my my patterns have, you know, kind of revolve around, um, you know, criticism, I'd say, and um, some self-abandonment patterns, right? Not, not speaking my mind or up when something is not feeling in integrity and then letting that build up. Um, so, I mean, I haven't been in relationships since the last one and I haven't had the opportunity to practice all of the things that I've learned since then, but I am looking forward to that opportunity. And I mean, I'm also looking forward to having a relationship with an individual that is, um, interested and ready for conscious partnership so that we can work through these, these things together. Because it's, you know, it's two people. You gotta, everybody has wounds. I heard a say, uh, I heard some, a saying yesterday and he said, relationships aren't hard. Relationships are only hard when there's only one person working in them. Mm. Because if you have two people trying to lift a couch, it's really easy. You know, you pick it up, you move it. But if only one person's trying to do that, all that work by themselves, they're going to get hurt. And you can see that happen in so many relationships where it feels like only one person is really putting in the work and either compromising or trying to understand to preserve said relationship. I've been there before, my friend. But hopefully we won't be there again. Never Um, again. (laughs) uh, Last two questions. What's something that you would like a partner to do to make you feel good? words of affirmation and so I feel most valued when I get you know positive affirmations through somebody else's mouth and it's not you know I don't know I'd say like all of the other things like the gifts and it's just it's not the same for me right like I really do need those verbal affirmations Mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, because, you know, I remember people in the past saying, well, it's because of insecurity and it's, no, it's just how, how I feel best loved. See, I have to watch out for people like you. And I, I know, I know I'm making this a generic and I said, it's not, but I've dated a couple like words of affirmation people. And I think the problem I have with it is or maybe not it, but the people I've been with, is the frequency. I I love complimenting people. I've always been told and I believe that when you think that somebody deserves a compliment, like you should wholeheartedly, or like when you feel it, you should say it. So randomly, I will, I will blurt out compliments to any and everybody. But it's when I feel like I have to hit a quota of like affirmations that I feel like they become a little disingenuous. And so I also pride myself on really not lying or like forcing things. So when I feel like I have this quota to hit, I was just like, I don't want to be repetitive. I want to say something that's true to me and how I feel that'll also make you feel good. But I don't want to just have a stockpile list that I have to hit every day. You know, like you're beautiful, you're talented, you're wonderful. Like yada, yada, yada. I was like, hey, if I've said it once, you should know how I feel. Um, I shouldn't have to sell you every day, you know. 
Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, if that is your love language, I think it's also important to do your own work so that, you know, whatever types of, maybe there is some insecurity there that needs to be looked at. And, you know, I think it is an unfair ask to, you know, need to be complimented a hundred times a day. Um, What would be you know, maybe a better thing to focus on is just finding a partner that does those things naturally. Thank you. I, I agree with that. Like I said, I don't mind doing it. And it happened, like you said, it, it, it can't happen naturally. Uh, when you are with the right person, so much of what you do will just inspire or keep that person in awe. So you'll, you'll get those affirmations. And if you think you're not getting enough, I was like, you might want to do some intrinsic work and see are they just not respecting my love language or do I have a bigger need than I originally thought? Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question, because you work in the digital and like the digital marketing space so much, and that's where you had your background at for all those soon to be booming entrepreneurs out there. How important is the visual? Oh, well, you know, they say sex sells, right? <laughs> You're not wrong. It's true. I mean, sexy things sell. Um, I mean, as a designer, it's, it's my life. Right. And, you know, as, as wonderful as my products are, I can tell you one of the number one draws and comments that I get from people are, Oh my God, the packaging is so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and it matters, right? Especially if you're in CPG, like I am. Um, you've got a billion other brands to compete with on the shelf, and you need to stand out. And visuals are, you know, the number one way to do that. So, yeah, beauty, beauty is important. I can, like, I was really confident. So I, I made my own website. Um, I was really confident. I was like, this looks good. It looks kind of sleek, slender, like professional but also masculine, which is kind of like what I'm going for. And then I saw your work <laughs> and I felt like if I had a folder, I would have like closed the folder and binded and be like, okay, we'll just, we'll tuck this aside. I was like, because you're right. I was like, just the images, um, you have a really good way of making things look so vivid and appealing. And for lack of a better word, three-dimensional, like I can feel your images, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Um, I love that. I was like, yeah. And I was like, wow, I don't, and I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I was like, I, I was so confident in my work, but it just doesn't have that. I don't know. It's missing a little bit of depth and fire that, or since you deal so much with the mushroom, I'm going to use this word, umami. There's like just not enough umami in it. Um, Yeah. I like that. Well, I mean, but you can't compare your, yourself to, I mean, I've, I've been in the industry for 14 years, right? Like I'm, I'm very good at what I do. Yeah. I know that, but I've practiced at it for a very, very long time. <laughs> that's true. Listen, that's the hardest thing for a perfectionist to hear. Cause you're like, nope, I, I, I should just be able to get this. I used to make fun of kids uh, in like high school who like always got straight A's. And like the one time they didn't, they would have a meltdown. But I've slowly become that person. I was like, I'm not getting an A right now. <laughs> I don't know how to handle it. Well, that is the, uh, what is it? The comparison culture mm. syndrome that we all suffer from. Well, I know what I need to work on. Um, 
as a person. So I will go do some homework on that and hopefully I will be content with my current level of ability and progress. And maybe in a couple of years, I will be closer to the model I inspire to be. That's awesome. <laughs> but before we get you out of here, Krista, um, not get you out of here, it's, uh, it's actually pains me to like end this. Before you leave us, any last words you want to share? Anything big that you have coming down the pipeline? I can't think of anything profound to share. I can say that if you want to learn more about Wild Remedies, um, you can go to our website at wildremedieshop.com. Our Instagram is wild underscore remedies. And I'm feeling very passionate right now about, I mean, I love, I love nature. I love plants and flowers and gardening. I'm getting really into gardening right now. And my goal is to actually acquire some property and have a farm. And the larger vision is to grow uh, a lot of the ingredients for um, our products. So that's what I'm putting out to the universe right now and uh, looking forward to seeing when that comes to fruition, hopefully sooner than later. Well, guys, um, Wild Remedies, you ha we have to check it out. It's good for you. It's good. It looks amazing, as we already know. Um, <laughs> um, like they say, um, sex sells, and your eyes will definitely be stimulated when you see the packaging for it. Well, you guys heard it here. Um, wild Remedies, uh, Wild Remedies, and in case you forgot, Wild Remedies. Uh, Krista, thank you so much for being a part of this today, for joining the Not So Bad fam. We look forward to just all the growth that's going to come to Wild Remedies and you, uh, both professionally and personally. And I'll see all you beautiful people next Thursday for another episode of the Not So Bad Bachelor Pad. If you wanna be, if you, if you wanna be, if you wanna be my lover, you gotta get with my friends, make it last forever, friendship never ends.